What's going on, golf addicts? Welcome to the Tour Junkies podcast. It's another episode with our friend Mark Hill, our resident Tour Junkies European Tour expert in betting and DFS. Mark is a new addition to the Tour Junkies team. We're so grateful to have him. Born and based out of Northern Ireland, Mark has 10 plus years of experience full-time working in the betting industry and knows his stuff. He is going to be here every week that there's a European tour event. He's going to be right here on the Tour Junkies channel on YouTube, breaking down all the action, giving you some picks, giving you some takes. So it's going to be great content. We're really proud of it. And Mark's going to help you get a lot of green screens and some winning tickets to that ticket window. So as always, presented by our friends at FantasyNational.com. Head over to FantasyNational.com now slash TJ to get 20% off any membership level, weekly memberships, monthly or annual. You get 20% off if you try it for a week and you love it. You can upgrade to a month or, or the annual membership and still get the 20% off. It's where we've been going for four plus years to get all our PGA Tour data. They don't have European Tour stuff yet, but maybe soon to come. Uh, but if you're looking for that, if you're betting on PGA Tour, playing DraftKings, anything at all, fantasynational.com slash TJ is where it's at. And all the data is licensed by the PGA Tour to Fantasy National. So you know it's good. Hello and welcome to another edition of the European Tour Tour Junkie Show. That doesn't quite sound right this week because it's in the rear view mirror. The European Tour Show is dead and buried. We are now the DP World Tour Show, and we are the only show in town this week because outside of some novelty exhibition event that's going on in the States, the European Tour is gone and the DP World Tour is heading to the Southern Hemisphere and beautiful South Africa. I don't have a podcast juice from uh, the region this week. I am going local, and that's local to Mark Hill. And I am having a Rockshore Irish Lager, which is brewed at St. James's Gate, which is famous for its Guinness. But this is a nice cold lager to kick off the show. And we're in South Africa now for the next three weeks, so I'm sure I will sample some South African wine over the next two weeks ahead. But listen, guys, firstly, thank you very much to Tom Jacobs from last week. He was extra, extra special coming on to the show Gave us lots of good information, lots of good insight into how he approaches his betting, his background, um, <laughs> how he's managing to juggle so many shows and, and commitments at the minute. But he was he was an absolute gent and was delighted to have him on and share the platform. And thank you, everyone, that chipped in as well on the YouTube chat and some of the, the feedback in the nut hut afterwards. One-man show can be hard enough to do at times, but Tom made it fly with a two-man show last week. And hopefully down the line with the DP World Tour end of things, we are going to try and move towards a two-man show at some point. Your boy Mark Hill here in Little Northern Ireland recording midnight. And I am more than happy to run the show on my own for a while. But we're out there. We're having a look and see if we can get some more guests on because last week was, was great. We did manage to hit upon a winner. Colin Morcaro went home with both the tournament outright and the uh, Order of Merit title. So, yeah, kudos to him. Didn't win a European event all year. Managed to, to pick up the World Tour Championship at the end of it all. So, I know Tom is a, is a bit upset about that, and I have to agree. I think guys that, that come over, yes, you have those major wins in the bag, and, and you cannot fault Morikawa's golf this year. He's been absolutely superb, and those names that come over and add a bit of value to the event is excellent. But 
I would like to see some more footfall when it comes to European Tour events to then be classed the European Tour champion at the end of it. Ultimately, now we're going to have some more crossover with the PGA coming into this year, which is going to be fantastic. Hopefully, we're getting some more eyes on the product overall. And <laughs> ultimately, like the PGA Tour, I'm hoping that some of this extra sponsorship going in will improve the actual television product because right now it's still probably one of the most difficult sports to watch unless you come to the Masters and they run the show themselves. I'm hoping we get just overall an improved product from the DP World Tour side of things. I'm optimistic. I'm also optimistic that we're going to start hitting some winners because the European Tour is in the back window. Now we're off and we're flying and we're going to hit the ground running this week in South Africa. It's fascinating, the tournament itself. Not so much in that We've been to South Africa on many occasions as part of the European Tour. But as the inaugural event of the new year, we're going to see a number of new faces. And I'll break it into it in the course breakdown, but I think with 20 graduates coming over from the Challenge Tour, we have a number of local South Africans getting into the mix as well. And it's, it's a field that, yes, there's maybe a dip in quality and dip in field strength overall compared to what we've seen in previous years to kick off a European Tour season. But I am more than excited to get going. And as I said, I just hope we're going to start hitting some winners. So cheers of the podcast juice. As I said, it's Rockshore Irish Lager. And let's get this show on the road. So where are we this week? We are at the Far Thorn course at Rampark Golf Club in Johannesburg, South Africa. It's um, a venue we have seen on four occasions in recent years. And... Uh, had the South African Open in 2018 and 2020 and the Joburg Open in 2017 and 2020 as well. It's just over 7,500 yards, par 71, and uh, it's played at altitude. So I think 6,000 feet, five, five to 6,000 feet in Johannesburg. And you're looking at this offsetting or negating the driving off the tee that you would think on a longer course. So for me, if you were looking at the Fantasy National Gradings, I'd be putting this in that 7,200 to 7,400 range when you're looking at the field and, and what sort of traits you want to look at for a golfer. The outside of that, then, it's a Sid Bruce design. It's had a number of redesigns. And prior to Supercar Sharma's win in 2017, it had a bit of a redesign as well. Kukua grass fairways, thick Kukua rough, so you do want a bit of accuracy on your side, and bent grass greens. In 2020, then, the tournament was won, uh, and it was down as the South African Open. That was Brandon Grace that picked up the win at 21 under. And then later in the year, in 2020 as well, the Joburg Open, J.B. Hansen picked up a win at 19 under par. In 2018, South African Open was won by Louis Eusthuizen, and then in 2017, the Joburg Open was won by Shubhakar Sharma at 23 under par. So in terms of target score this week, Anything around that range. We are expecting a little bit of uh, wind in the forecast, but nothing out of the ordinary. This time of year as well, you do get a bit of thunder and some rainfall at times. You expect not to hit intermediately throughout the event, but not to have an overall massive impact. If it does soften up a little bit in the afternoons, potentially, but I don't really have a weight into my modeling and thinking this week. It's a parklands course, tree line, fairly tight in places. You have to be a little bit nifty around the place. And in terms of key metrics for the course itself so looking back at the last four winners around the green and short game scrambling has all played a key factor not so much driving distance driving accuracy is surprisingly low as well in terms of not 
weighted too highly. I was thinking tree line course, you want to be fairly accurate, hitting fairways, hitting greens and regulation. Greens and regulation certainly comes into it. Par five scoring, there's only three par fives on the course, but you have to be attacking those if you're going to be in the mix for a birdie fest like this should be. And a premium on tee to green this week as well, overall. It's one of these courses that really any sort of game can fit. I'm looking for someone who's coming in on hot recent form. That has been a running trend for the previous four winners. So whenever Grace and Oosthuis and Hansen and Sharma have all come in off the back of very good recent form in the last two to three events before entering this one. And outside of that as well, I'm just looking for someone that has registered a top top 10 finish over the last 12 weeks or, or three months. So that, for me, this week, we're at 142-man field. Something a bit different as well from what we've seen in this sort of event before. It's typically a co-sanctioned event, which sees almost double the field. A real <laughs> plethora and mix of talent. But this time around, we're 142-man field. We're back to the, the bog standard. I think it's top 65 and ties as a standard for a classified event. So I'm more than happy this week to try and whittle that field down as quickly as possible. As soon as I entered in the metrics of looking the last 12 weeks on a rolling average and looked for anyone who hadn't had a top 10 finish, knocked them out, that whittled the field down in half straight away. So that got me down and down and down. I then whittled it down further with a few other metrics put in, a few model points, and we got down to a short list of 12 golfers. Ultimately, I've come down to four at the end. That's making my outright betting card. I love my best bet this week. I'm hoping it lands. Um, and it, you know, it, It's one of those ones... We're starting a new season, new hope and all that, and we're going to get off with a win all being well. So let's have a look at the top of the betting board then. And no surprise to see South Africans heading the board and Dean Burmeister at 10-1. to 1. He opened up earlier in the week at 8-1. to 1. He's drifted out a little bit, so the market showing some resistance there. Dylan Fratelli at 20 to 1, Roman Langescue at 20 to 1, Johannes Veerman at 22 to 1, and Wilco Nienamber at 25 to 1. South Africans have done extremely well at this event. So, five of the top 10 last year were South Africans, eight of the top 12 in the edition before, and nine of the top 14 in the previous two years. There's absolutely a preference for local golfers here. I have, uh, let me see, yeah, I have two South Africans on my card. I do think you are paying a bit of a premium on a South African golfer this week. I'm not necessarily going to jump to the top of the board. And we don't necessarily have to have South Africans either. We have to mix it up a little bit, like four short enough sample size before iterations of this golf course that we've seen. And we have seen two South Africans win, and we've seen an Indian and a Dane win. So I'm mixing up as well. I'm going two and two. Two South Africans, two overseas players, and I'm just hoping now that we can land on something that ends up with a win. In terms of the top of the board then, Dean Burmeister for me was one that made my initial 12-man shortlist, but then I ended up knocking him out. His best recent form seems to be on Lynx-type courses, a uh, little bit more open. Tree-line accuracy wasn't great. Um, in general, his accuracy numbers, actually, I looked over the last, sort of right back to April, and he only ranked uh, once in driving accuracy inside the top 20. So that has to be a concern. I said there hasn't been a massive need to be accurate as such, but if you are going to miss the fairways and get into that Kikuya rough, it's going to be penal at times. There's also water in play on a number of holes this week, so I do want to put a little bit of accuracy in there in terms of the modeling side of things. I think during the week, if you can scramble your ass off and get into the green and make your putts, you're doing fine. 
Burmeester in that regard has done fairly well recently, but there was some signs starting to come in in the last couple of events. There's a bit of fatigue. He's played a lot of golf. He's played a lot of top-end golf in terms of the DP World Championship last week, where he did finish sixth, but the fatigue as the weekend wore on. 44 for the Dubai Championship. Again, first couple of days started very well. And he's got a favourable tea time this week as well, teeing off early in the morning. He's going to kick off the event, actually, 6.30 in the morning, I think, uh, which I think is 4.30 a.m. where I am. So not much time to get the DFS lineups in tomorrow night. But in general, he's one that I'm probably going to swerve away from. Dylan Fratelli, anyone that's watching the PGA Tour knows that Dylan is out of form. He hasn't registered a top 10 in the last 12 weeks. That knocked him out of the mix for me immediately. Roman Langescu, he's going to be popular this week. His price has come down to 20 to 1. He's gone lower in places. Can't really argue too much. He's had good course history here as well. So... He's in the mix. Johannes Veerman, 22 to 1. Welcome, Neil Naber at 25 to 1. Veerman does make my betting card this week, but not necessarily an outright selection. So let's get into who I am going with. But first, I have to have another little sip of my Rockshore. So my first selection this evening is going to be Sean Norris. Touched upon the South Africans here. 33 to 1 with bet 365. William Hill and Caesars also offering 33 to 1. That's the best price out there at the moment. Got to take that. You know, I'm looking around, and not that I have much credence in Camby books. So Camby would be around as fairly slow in terms of moving odds, and not necessarily the most reliable in terms of pricing events. But they've obviously been hit this week because they're down to twenty to one for Sean Norris, and I can understand why. That's the sort of price range I'm in, around eighteen to one, twenty to one when it came down to it. The Camby books in the states, you're looking at Bet Rivers, uh, Sugar House if you're in New Jersey. Uh, Unibet would be another one stateside and then over here in the UK we have I think four different books at the moment that are can be operated including Unibet uh, 888.com so there's a number of ones there outside of that the actual golfer himself he is largely playing on the Japanese tour this year and what stood out to me was that he has the recent good form he hasn't missed a cut since Oh, back in the British Open on the 18th of July, which is obviously a step up in the European uh, tour end of things, but a, a higher calibre field than we're seeing this week in South Africa outside of some of the local presence. He does have a fifth place finish at the BMW International Open earlier in the year. And outside of that, over in Japan, he also finished first at the Japanese Open, which was around a tree-lined course as well. So... Around the green, definitely came into play on his way to a 19 under par, four-shot win. That's the sort of target score we're looking at this week. So he's taken a number of boxes. He's got the local element on side, the local knowledge. And in terms of teeing off early as well this week, I'm going to like that because I think he can get out there. He can get a bit of confidence up early. He's playing with no fear. Came out last time uh, a week ago or 10 days ago with a 15th place finish at... Now, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation of this, but the Taheyo... Taheyo Masters in Japan. Travelling back now, I don't think the travel element is going to cause too much concern. He had a Zozo Championship appearance this year on the PGA Tour where he finished 39th as well. Overall, I'm happy with Sean Norris. I think he's providing a bit more value than some of the other South Africans in the market. And if you can get him at 33-1, to 1, absolutely have him on side. So one unit going on Sean Norris at 33-1. to 1. My next selection is Marcus Hellekilde. I hope I'm pronouncing that right because we're going to get used to this name over the coming years. This, uh, well, what is he now, 25-year-old Dean is in flying form. He stepped up on the Challenge Tour this year and done extremely well. He's coming off a first-place finish at the Challenge Tour Grand Final. 
Before that, a second at the Costa Brava Challenge. Swiss Challenge, he knocked that out of the park with another win. The Finnish Challenge won that event this year. He's got the win equity. He is playing without any fear and distractions. He's doing extremely well. And his two appearances when he did step up this year on the European Tour, he also did well. Fit in his maiden, uh, made in Himmerland tournament, he finished 25th and 12th at the Dutch Open as well, which was actually my first uh, tournament, I believe, when I jumped on the Tour Junkie show with DP and Pat and, and talked about doing this uh, this one solo on the side. The Dutch Open was one we talked about, so I got to see a bit of uh, Hillekilde in more detail, and I was very, very impressed. He <laughs> reads an article today, and obviously resources and that side of things we've got 20 guys coming up on the challenge turn if you get a chance have a look for ben coley's article you find him on twitter and he gives an excellent breakdown of the guys that are coming in this week to or uh, stepping up from the challenge tour side of things goes into a lot of depth and the interesting thing about hill kilda is that the he's had a lot of focus doesn't have social media which is not something that the tour junkies might have on side but he definitely does in his game. He takes emotion out of the equation, is what uh, uh, one of his mates said about him. This week, he's teeing off in the opening group with Dean Burmeister and Englishman David Hoyle at 6.30 local time. I don't think he's going to be phased. He seems like this cool, calm, collected character. He's done extremely well starting fast out of the blocks at other tournaments before falling away a little bit when he's had that step up. The Dutch Open, for example, I think he gained over five strokes Um Five strokes ball, ball striking in the first round when I looked back at some of my stats from there. So definitely a golfer that I want to to see do well. He's a name that I think you're going to know very well on the PGA Tour side of things in the coming years. He's just 25. And Danish golfers seem to be on fire at the minute. Like, what are we sitting at now? We've had uh, Rasmus Hoygaard, Nicola Hoygaard, JB Hansen, uh, Jeff Winter, all winning in recent tournaments. I'm sure there's one other I'm forgetting about. I'll be reminded in the in the comments section. You can give me a bit of abuse, but there has been a number of Danes on fire at the minute on tour. He's doing extremely well. This graduate steps up and right in the crest of the wave. I'm more than happy to jump on and probably my favorite selection this week. Seems to be still widely available at 40 to 1, which, you know, I, I, I can't agree with that. I know he's still searching for that maiden victory at this sort of level, but we've seen it before with Supercar Sharma back in 2017. Stepped up to a higher profile event and got the win on debut out of the blocks. I think that sort of thing is is maybe keeping him in a reasonable price range here at 40 to 1. Widely available, a number of books listed there on screen. So more than happy for Marcus Hilligard to be my second selection, probably my headline selection for this week as one of the Challenge Tour graduates. My next selection then is another guy stepping up from the Challenge Tour. He's one to watch last year, and it's Julian Brun. So he finished second to Hildegarda at the Challenge Tour event uh, most recently there, back on the 7th of November. He also had a win at the Empowder Challenge on the 17th of October, so just over a month ago, five weeks ago. He's What you're going to have to understand this week, it's not like just a Corn Ferry graduate stepping up to the PGA Tour. The golf and the difference between the Challenge Tour and some of these lower-end European Tour events or co-sanctioned events, like the Challenge Tour is a very competitive field. You have a lot of guys who have cut their teeth there, done very well, and initially are, are, end up on the PGA Tour. He's another guy that definitely has all the credentials. He's a TCU guy. 
he was one of the best amateurs in the world. Um, again, credit to Ben Coley's article. He went into this in a lot of depth and talked to how uh, Julian Brun had to rebuild his career. But in terms of the stats side of things, he seems to be doing very well. The recent form also obviously ticked the box there. He has experience on co-sanctioned events in South Africa before. But going into that amateur history where he broke onto the scene and was expected to be this bright, young, future star of French golf, and it just didn't work out for him. He jumped onto the McKenzie Tour, thought he could work his way onto the PGA Tour, didn't work out, came home and had to go right back to grassroots, rebuild, restructure. I think Mike Lorenzo Vera, who's on the European Tour, would be... His brother is his coach. Seems to have really found focus. And you cannot argue with his recent form this year, which has been outstanding. Like, um, Seems to have resettled as well in, in the Czech Republic, playing out at Albatross Golf Club. So overall, a golfer that ticks a lot of boxes in terms of the model. The recent form is there. And I say 40 to 1, again, like Marcus Hildegard, you're getting two of the top prospects coming out of the Challenge Tour. They're a bit wet behind the year. He's got a bit more experience on his side coming up to 30 or just turned 30 and has been there, done that in terms of knowing what is expected when you step up in class. I think he's learned a lot from his experiences when he's gone down to the lower end of things. And this week, I'm hoping he's going to bang on the door at the Joburg Open. So my third selection is Julian Brun at 40 to 1, widely available. I've seen it up at 50 to 1 at Bovada. Not a book I can personally bet at, but if you have got access to that, grab that 50 to 1, because I think even in running, he's going to be trading a lot lower than that. So that is my third selection. My final selection then, only four this week, is Henny Duplessis. Hopefully, again, I've got that pronunciation right. From my rugby background, I've played with a number of South Africans, and Duplessis is a fairly common uh, South African surname that I've come across, so fingers crossed that's right, unless rugby commentators have been doing me down for a number of years. 80 to 1, widely available. Bet MGM, best price at 100 to 1. He's a golfer as well. That is another South African, as I said. Not the huge plethora of amazing uh, history or form or name value and at 80 to 1 that's probably why we're getting him at that price. I see DraftKings have priced him up a bit higher than you'd maybe expect for someone coming in at 80 to 1 on the betting market and they're maybe on to what he's about. He's the world number 340th but has won on the Sunshine Tour back in 2017 and he only just turned 25 this month so like he is a young golfer trending in the right direction, something we love to see in these early year events. He did have a second-place finish on the South African Tour earlier in the year, the Limpumpo Championship. Um, <laughs> I, can, I can just hear or see DB already listening to some of these pronunciations. Limpumpo Championship. Yeah, that 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 one's there. Yeah, you, you have some interesting sponsorship deals going on in the PGA Tour and some weird names, but once you get into some of this World Tour side of things and these random sponsorships... It's going to be a struggle for me to do this on my own with all these pronunciations. So some week we are going to have to get DB or Pat on, pick a tournament or one that, that's full of golfers that are hard to pronounce or full of uh, tournament sponsors or tournament venues that are hard to pronounce and, and see if they can have a crack at it because the Limpopo Championship is definitely one of those uh, that I like. And even the name Henny Duplessis is an interesting one too. But let's not labor the point. He was ticking the boxes in a number of areas there. The one thing about the Sunshine Tour is that we do have fairly good stats to look at. Challenge Tour, not so much. But he did go back to the Challenge Tour after uh, a little spell on the South African Tour. 
2020 was his first real experience of stepping into Europe. He had events in Ireland and I think Italy as well. Didn't do so well. Went home and actually hit the ground running after that brief experience in Europe. Won a number of events, that second place at Limpopo. And then after that, he's gone back to the European Challenge Tour and had a number of good results. Uh, 11th at the Lavodril Golf Challenge. Fifth at the Maiden Esberg Challenge. And a fourth at the German Challenge. Even more recently then, Challenge cost the Brava fifth and an 18th place in the Tour Grand Final for the Challenge Tour as well. So he's a golfer that initially, as I said, I was whittling down this field, trying to find traits and, and stuff that I liked. I liked what I've seen from some of the, the stats that we could garner on him from tournaments he's played in. Qatar Masters was another one where he finished top 20 uh, even back in March. So not not overawed when he does step up in that class. I think he's learned from that experience when he did go over to Europe in 2020. Uh, didn't quite work out, or 2019 maybe, actually, with the, the COVID year in 2020. Um, like what I'm saying about the game, and he's grew up, from the sounds of it, um, sort of wine country, if you like, and then his dad has just decided on some of those wine uh, vineyards and things, he's going to build a golf course. So he got plenty of experience at a young age. He's only 25 now, plenty of upside long-term, and not, another golfer that we're hopefully going to hear more of in the coming years, especially on the world tour side of things and hopefully further afield as well so my final selection at 80 to 1 is Henny Duplassis let's kick off the DFS portion with the 9k and above range then at the Joburg Open and I'm just going to go into my fades first because the top of that board at 11,400 is Dean Burmeister he's going to be extremely popular but that's a high price point for a golfer as I said that might be showing a little bit of fatigue after a long year don't think he has the accuracy on side. And then just below him at 10,900, I'm going to throw in two fades this week. I'm going to be bold. I'm going to fade Dean Burmeister at 11,400 and Dylan Fertelli at 10,900 as well. I think you're paying a premium on the South Africans, which I can understand given how well South Africans have done here. But I think you need to look outside the box when you are picking the South Africans this week. Of course, these two guys have class on their day and can step it up and do well around here. I'm going to venture further afield. Like, Dylan Fratelli's averaging 48.5 points on DraftKings uh, lately, and that's just not good enough. Yes, in a higher caliber class, but you're coming back here. I need to see that recent form. I said last 12 weeks he hasn't shown it. I'm happy enough to fade him. So my selections in the 9K range, Sean Norris has said put him up on the, the betting portion there. 10,300 would be my first selection. Matty Schmidt seemed to be overpriced. I've seen, I seen Tom, uh, was obviously joined me on the show last week, saying that there was 100 to 1s out there. Maybe Skyler on the, the uh, Pat Mayo show mentioned there was 100 to 1 hung on uh, Matthias Schmidt, which was just crazy. I think he's come in now in the betting. 9,400 in terms of DFS. I'm happy enough to have a look at him. He was one of the 12 that made my shortlist, as was Masahiro Kawamura at 9,300. I've had a little bit of difficulty with Kawamura this year. When I'm not on him, he's done well. When I do jump on him, he hasn't done well. I'm hoping that's not the case this week. If he can sort out the putter, I think he's got the all-round ball strike and a TD Green game to be in the mix. And at 9,300, he will be one of my selections in the 9K range. Let's jump over to the 8K range then. And DFS side of things on the 8K range, there was a number of golfers again that appealed, as I said each week, it's smaller uh, sample size, if you like, to, to look at the 8K range. And this week, the backing side of it wasn't that difficult because Marcus Hill, Hill I knew I was going to butcher that name, Marcus Hillekilde 
and Julian Brune, who I put up in the betting portion, are both in this 8K DFS range. 8,900 for Helikilda, 8,700 for Brune. I say betting wise, both coming in at 40 to 1. More than happy to have them. There's some other names that really attract an attention this week. Jaden Schraper is in there. Um, South African native that seems very, very popular among selections elsewhere. Danny Van Tonder's in there at 8,400. Came close to fade on Danny Van Tonder. Ended up fading Richie Ramsey, the Scotsman, has shown me nothing of late. Three out of four missed cuts in his last four uh, last four outings. And no course history at all to, to speak of, of late. So that's uh, my fade. My final selection in the 8K range was Pep Angels. He has been a golfer that I have been on DFS before. He served me fairly well. 8,100 seems a reasonable price point for this strength of field, so I am going to be on him as my last guy in the 8K range. Let's drop down to the 7K range. And lots of exciting challenge uh, tour names in here. And So when I was looking at it, I seen all these exciting young players. And then there was a golfer stood out to me that looked like a very obvious fade, and that's Richard Stern at 7,800. And this price point is crazy. He's a two-time winner of the Joburg Open, but that is in 2008 and 2013. What have you done for me lately, Richard Stern? Absolutely nothing, because you're 735th in the world. And all the kudos to you in the world. You got yourself up at one point to a high of 29 in the official World Golf Rankings. You're hitting over 40 now. I don't know why you're in with all these young bucks in this exciting 7K range. So Richard Stern is my fade. My backing golfers this week that I like to have on side in a 7K range. There was a number that ticked the boxes. Henny Duplessis is in here at 7,800. And just above him is an exciting young German, Yannick Powell at 7,900. Was happy to have him. Freddie Lacroix or Frederic Lacroix is another one that I'm going to be looking at, 7,300. And an Englishman, Andrew Wilson. So I'm putting up four in the 7K range. Uh, Northeast fella did it the untraditional way, if you like. It was a, a mad dash to get his challenge to a card. Uh, great listen to him on the Sky Sports podcast recently. He talked about when he played alongside, I think it was Louis Oosthuizen, and said, <laughs> of all things to say, he said it realized he made it made him realize that there's not that big a difference in the likes of him and these top world golfers. So, not that he was putting Louis down, but he did think that. If you work on certain aspects of your game and you get your confidence level right and it all starts to click that there isn't the huge gulf that people make out between those top-end golfers and that. And it's just given him that renewed bit of confidence. He had a mad dash to get that challenge to a card. He looked out of the mix. He did secure it in the end. He comes over here at 7,200 in DFS and he's a golfer that I'm going to be quite excited to, to see in the coming years. Um, I say he's from the northeast of England and... I won't think he'd be too phased coming into this event. So that's the 7K range. And let's finally touch upon the 6K range. And whilst I said there was a lot to be excited about in the 7K range, not so much in the 6K range because you're getting a lot of local golfers and a lot of out-of-form golfers that still have that European Tour card but maybe haven't done a lot to merit it of late in terms of recent form. They're here, though. And maybe someone will come out of this range and surprise. I'm going to stay away from a number of golfers, generally speaking, in here that I think are just filling out the numbers in the field. I say at least we're not at that stage last year where we had over 200 golfers. We're at 142. Andres Lieser, uh, the Czech guy at 6,900, would be my first selection. He's shown glimpses throughout the year. 
He uh, played at the Czech Masters alongside Henrik Stenson and Padraig Harrington on the opening day. So we got to see quite a lot of him and part of the featured group. And once he settled into his nerves and settled into a groove, there's a lot to like about Leeser's game. So 6,900, it seems a nice entry point. David Drysdale, 6,900, was another golfer that hasn't shown a lot in 2021, but there's enough there to have him on side. Bit of a shorter hitter, I believe. And... I feel that can be negated and then his approach game can kick in and hopefully do well around the green. Reese Enoch as well is another one that I'm going to play, a Welshman, 6,800. Not done an awful lot lately, but has jumped into co-sanctioned events and, and done fairly well on the South African tour in the past. So he's one that has plenty of experience around here. I'm looking to keep him on side. A lot of interesting names in here that we're probably never going to hear again, but that 6K range this week, I'm going to try and avoid it. I'm not going to the top of the board, which means I can get those 7K guys into my lineups on DFS, and I'm more than happy to roll with that. So Andre Leeser at 6,900, David Drysdale at 6,900, and Reese Enoch at 6,800 rounds out my DFS card. Let's move on then to the best bet, and it's Johannes Veerman at plus 104, or 2.04 if decimal is your thing, versus Dylan Fratelli at Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'll premise this by saying Pinnacle tend to be one of the first to market with these matchups, and then you will find a number of books just copy whatever Pinnacle put up. So there is going to be a number of options and outs there for you to get down on this matchup. And I do think he's probably going to stay as a dog right up until they tee off on Thursday. Why he's a dog? You're paying a premium on name value for Dylan Fertelli. Not something I'm going to be on side with here. Veerman has been a little inconsistent at times this year, but strong overall form including a win at the Czech Masters, top 10 finishes at the Irish, Scottish, Italian and Dutch Open. The Americans done well in 2021 on the European Tour. It's now time to step up to the mark on the DP World Tour. I think he can do it here. Priced highly in DFS, he's one of the top five in the betting market as well. Dylan Fratelli, as I say, you're playing a premium for the name and has shown absolutely nothing of late. Yes, he's playing a more esteemed company, but there's got to be a confidence aspect to that. His two previous outings at the Farform course resulted in a 42nd place finish in 2017 and a missed cut in 2018. So perhaps the course layout and fit does not suit Dylan Fratelli's game. I think he's going to have a lot of sponsors around him this week. I think he's going to have a lot of distractions this week, being one of the name value characters coming in here and probably uh, arguably a bigger name than Dean Burmeister, despite Burmeister thriving of late and having a recent Sunshine Tour win. So I think you're paying a premium. I think the fair value or price for this based on recent form would have Veerman sort of a minus 120, minus 125 favourite. So absolutely, that's the kind of golfer that I am looking to get onside and against in a head-to-head matchup. I'm going to try and look out this week for some more top 20 markets. Um, Our boy Tom last week almost landed Jason Scrivener uh, at a nice tasty top 20 price on FanDuel. Scrivener, unfortunately, a couple of wobbles on the final day and finished T21 in the end, so our boy Tom just missed out. But it's a market I'm going to look into in a bit more depth and try and get some more of those head-to-head matchups as well. I've got fairly lazy, will I say, honestly there, where I'm looking at Data Golf and seeing what matchups they have listed. I'm looking at some other resources, seeing what matchups they have listed. But there's a lot of sports books out there in the States now, a lot of options, a lot of different pricing sources. And really, there are going to be other matchups out there if I just get off my hole and have a proper look. So that's my intention this week. I'm going to drop them in the nut hut and let's get five matchups a week in there that I'm on side with. We'll tally it up over the course of the year. Open, honest, transparent betting tips, if you like, or betting picks. 
trying not to go too tidy. I want to be open about it. Kicked off my first few shows talking about the, the betting side of it and how to approach it. I'll get into that a bit more as we get into further shows down the line. And really, it's about enjoying it, putting a smile on your face, betting responsibly, and getting some wins on the board along the way. Finally, what I'm going to say is, I am so sorry to hear that DraftKings are pulling out of Australia because that's going to be our boy in the nut hut not getting on. So, Ozzy, I hope to see you again. I hope some of these betting picks that we're putting out, you're able to get down and take the town, the Aussie books. Um, I don't say I hope at some stage DraftKings don't pull the plug on the UK market as well because it's been uh, a fascinating experience. I've loved doing DFS in general last couple of years and picking it up in, ter- in terms of doing uh, DFS on the NFL, NASCAR, a few other bits and pieces. UFC is another one that I've really enjoyed getting my teeth into. Um, and now that... You know, we're broadening our horizons, if you like, with this DP World Tour. Hopefully get more eyes on the product in general and get some more DFS competitions going. This week alone, we are seeing uh, a number of extra tournaments added because the PGA Tour isn't rolling. We've got the match, of course, which is going to be a sideshow and a novelty act, which I will probably have as my guilty pleasure this week. I, I, I do have to tune in. And the boys are putting a show together to preview that as well, which I can't wait to listen to and watch. So... If you did a chance, check in with DB and Pat for that. It's been a pleasure, guys, again this evening to bring you the DP World Tour show. Hopefully, we're going to land some winners and best of luck going forward. Cheers, guys.